We've already had a full Sunday, and so hope you've really experienced the presence of God as we've worshiped together. And as, uh, as we think about that, uh, maybe the preacher will preach a little bit, not quite as long as he normally does, uh, because we've already experienced so much uh, this day. Now, as I say this, even though I, I can't see any of you or hear anybody, but some of you should not be clapping when, I'm gonna tell you, when I just said I'm going to have a, small, a shorter sermon. But anyway, uh, let's look at what it means uh, to go public on Palm Sunday, and that's exactly what I've entitled as the message, going public on Palm Sunday. And and as we think about that, and that's what Jesus did, it really begs an initial question, which is, what is Palm Sunday? Uh, There's a lot of ways we can define that or describe it, but Palm Sunday is really the beginning of what they call Holy Week or the Greatest Week, or probably its more common name, it's Passion Week. But when you think of Passion Week, it's not how we normally use the word passion. The word passion comes from a Greek verb, uh, and then it becomes a noun, uh, which means to suffer. And in some ways, you might be thinking, well, can anything good coming out of a week that is suffering? Um, in many ways, that's what we think about even at times like we have right now. Can anything come out of the suffering that people are experiencing in COVID-19? And, and there's a lot of ways we can learn life lessons when things change. But this suffering week, this passion week, is the most significant week in the life of Jesus. In fact, you could say all of his life was was set up for these last seven days that would lead to the cross and then to the empty tomb. And as you think about it, really, it's all about understanding that that God can use suffering in people's lives uh, for great things to happen. I was reading just recently that while in quarantine, I don't know if you knew this, that Shakespeare wrote King Lear. And then also, when you think about it, uh, Isaac Newton was also in a quarantine, and when he did that, he, he developed calculus. Now, I don't know if you remember taking calculus. I had an opportunity to do that in college, and I still don't understand uh, calculus. While in prison, John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress. When you think about the Apostle Paul, while he was under house arrest, he wrote some of the most significant parts of the New Testament. So many in times of great suffering or limitation in terms of your freedoms, great things can happen. And as we think about entering into the Passion Week, the week of suffering for Jesus, uh, the week in which he came to have his life a ransom for many, to pay the price that we needed to be paid because of our sin, uh, this is the greatest week in the life of Jesus. And what we want to talk about this, this morning is why this week happened and, and what happened even as we are led into the time where we remember his cross and remember what happened on Easter Sunday, the victory that was, was found there. As we think about it, Jesus throughout his ministry, and he lived about 33 years, and his public ministry was for three years, but much of that public ministry was private. In fact, he had gone to Jerusalem many times, but most times when he came into Jerusalem, it was uh, unobtrusively. He was, it was somewhat um, in a guarded way because there was a time in which this was to happen, and this was the time. And so he did not allow people to try to present him as king and as one to be celebrated. But now this time had arrived, and Jesus was going to go public on this particular Sunday, which we call Palm Sunday, or as some people call it, the time of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And as we think about this, it really what it does, it speaks about Jesus really showing who he is. And as we look at it this morning, just in a quick fashion, as we look at Jesus showing who he is by going public, it really speaks to us as well as we think about where we are. Because eventually God is going to call us to go public. Often as we try to 
think about where we are spiritually or religiously or what we really believe, what is our faith. So often we don't want to talk about it. We, we kind of want to hide it because often when you talk about your faith, it creates an argument, just like talking about politics. But there comes a time where we've got to go public. What, what is it we believe? Where is our heart? And what is it we're going to follow after? Well, Jesus goes public on Palm Sunday, and really what he does is he speaks and re- reveals who he really is. And as we think about going public, it, it really speaks about whose we really are. But let's look at it this, this morning in this afternoon or this evening, whenever you're, you're seeing this. And really what I want to do is just bring out four simple points as we think about Jesus going public on Palm Sunday. What does he really show? What he shows very clearly is he shows his compassion. He shows he is in control. He shows he is worthy to be celebrated. And finally, he shows that he demands a choice from people who find out about who he really is. And let's look at it this morning as we look at it. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to back up a little bit and look at Matthew chapter 20. And in it, it really is speaking about the story of who Jesus is, and it reveals the nature and the character and really the identity of who this man, who was a prophet, who was a healer, a miracle worker, but he was more than that. He had claimed to be God, God in the flesh, coming for us who desperately needed him. And so let's look at it. If, if God really showed up on the scene, then how would he show himself to be really the God that we want to believe in and follow? And, and so it begins with showing the character of Jesus, and, and really what it shows us is really his compassion. Uh, look at uh, Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 29. And as they were leaving Jericho, a, a large crowd followed him, Jesus, and And Jesus never had a problem creating a crowd. Wherever he went, people wanted to go with him. And then it goes on, it says this, And two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have have mercy on us, a son of David. And then there was immediate response by the people. The crowd sternly told them, the two blind men who cried out, to be quiet But they cried out all the more, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And in some ways, you kind of look at this and say, well, wasn't that pretty callous of the crowd? Why were they so against those who were obviously in need crying out to Jesus? Uh, Because they are like us. When we find a good thing, we we want it. And sometimes we want it only for ourselves. And and they didn't want to share Jesus. They, They wanted Jesus to deal with their needs and their concerns and and they want to see Jesus uh, perform something for them, not for somebody else. But the, but the story goes on, and it says, And Jesus stopped and called out to them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they responded, Lord, we want our eyes to be open. Of course, that sounds pretty obvious. If you were blind and you knew that you were in the presence of someone who could do the miraculous, you would want him to meet you at your deepest need. You wanted sight. But as Jesus stopped, it really shocked the rest of the crowd because they didn't think he would stop because Jesus was on a journey. He was on a journey to go to Jerusalem. He was going to that place where it had destined at this time to be. And he was preparing his disciples and those who had fallen him to, to, to go into that place in which was the city of kings and he was going to be presented as the king of kings and lord of lords. And he had so much on his mind. 
because he knew more than anybody else that uh, not only was he going to have this great experience on this Palm Sunday, but in just days later, he would be arrested. He, he would be put on trial, and, and then he would suffer a horrible death. And, and as he was thinking about that, he was also thinking, I, I've only got one more week to prepare my disciples, my followers, to, to represent me when I'm gone. To, to follow after the, the great commission I'm going to give them, to get the word out. This is the greatest message ever that, that God cares about us so much that he, that he wants to deliver us and set us free. And I don't know if you've ever been there. When, when, when you've got a lot on your, on, your, um, on your heart and your mind, but on your to-do list, and there's so many important things that, that you've got to accomplish, and, and then something happens, an interruption uh, you don't want to stop and deal with that, which doesn't seem to be as critical and, as, and crucial right at the moment. But what we have here is we get a, a glimpse into the heart of Jesus. In, in, in the midst of all that he was going through, in the midst of how any would say, I, I don't have time for this. And, and maybe that's where you're at right now with this whole COVID-19, is that in the midst of what you are preparing yourself for, this first part of 2020, and you're thinking, I don't have time for this. I, I've got to get this done. I've got to accomplish this. I've, I've got to spend time with these people. And all, the, all things have changed. But it said that Jesus stopped. He, he stopped and he, he saw these two people, not as interruptions, but as people who desperately needed, needed him. And so as they cried out to him, he cried out to them. And, and he discovered their need, though he already knew it. And and these people were blind physically, and they wanted to, to have sight. They wanted to be physically healed. How, how did Jesus stop and respond to them? Well, what, what motivated him? Well, the Bible is pretty clear. In verse 34, it says this at the end of chapter 20. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. And I just want you to understand, as you think about Palm Sunday, as you think about Good Friday, as we reflect on the, the cross, and as you think about Easter, that magnificent event in which we, we see the empty tomb, what do, we, what do we see about Jesus? Well, obviously, he's able to do the miraculous, but, you know, as you think about God being almighty and all-powerful, and you look at Jesus as being the one who could do anything, as we think about God being that, we have to ask ourselves, however, if he's all-powerful, does, does he really care? And what we have here is that, that, that Jesus shows his compassion. Now, the word compassion can be defined in a variety of different ways, but what compassion really means is that you, you have sympathy or empathy. You have pity on someone who is in desperate need. And above all else, that you show them mercy. You're willing to, to do what they need to have done for them despite what it might require of you. And I want you to understand, as we think about Jesus at, at this passion suffering week, it, you need to understand, above all else, is that he cares for you. He cares for me. It, he has compassion for us. He sees our need. He, he sees our need for his mercy to come down and touch who we are and where we are. But the story goes on as we think about the most familiar part of Palm Sunday is he, is he, is he ventures in at Jerusalem. And, and we see not, not only that Jesus have, has compassion, which speaks into his heart, but we also see that Jesus is, is in control. 
In Matthew chapter 21, uh, looking at the first seven verses, we have this, the account of what happened on Palm Sunday. When they had approached Jerusalem, this is Jesus and his closest followers, and they had spent time in Bethany with dear friends, Martha and Mary and Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Uh, they had come to Bethphage on the, at the Mount of Olives, and then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and, and immediately you will find a donkey there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Now, this is a simple introduction of this. It's described in a variety of different ways in the other Gospels. But, but Jesus comes on the scene, and he's now going to go public by not presenting himself simply as one who loves those in need and, and meets their needs. He's not only going to demonstrate that he's willing to be a servant to others, but, but now he's going to come into the city of kings, and, and he's going to come as, as one who is royal and, and one who is going to be brought up to the place where people are celebrating him, which we're going to look at in a moment. But I want you to understand, in the midst of all this, is that, that Jesus, you can see right here, he's in control. Because even to the finest details, Jesus comes into this place and he, and he needs to get a, a, a beast of burden, a, a donkey to ride on, and he has to send his disciples to go out there and get it and retrieve it and bring it back. And he needs to prepare it so that they walk in in such a way that um, it's just according to his plans. And, and I don't want to make a whole lot about this, but I want you to understand in the midst of all things that are happening during these times is that as we wonder... In a world out of control, does, does anybody know what's going on? Does, does anybody really have this uh, figured out what's going to happen? And, and we, can, we can listen to all kinds of people through the news media, and they, they don't know when and how all these things are going to happen with the virus. But, but I want you to understand, even looking at Palm Sunday, as, as Jesus went in, he had, he had all the details figured out, and I'm sure the disciples were wondering, how is this supposed to happen? But Jesus had it under control, and, and he has everything under control. This is, the, this is the one we can put our faith and trust in, that even the finest details, like even coming in and, and riding a beast of burden, he, he can get that figured out with, with sending out two disciples who, who probably didn't even know these people, uh, but brought them uh, to him, and, and it all worked out just according to his plan. So what do we learn about Jesus at, at Palm Sunday when he went public and he demonstrated who he really was in powerful ways. He showed his heart because he was compassionate. He also showed out in just the littlest way, the finest way, that he was in control. But thirdly, what I want us to look at is that he also showed that he is worthy to be celebrated. And this is where we put most of our emphasis when we think about Palm Sunday and his triumphal entry. Just reading a couple of verses from the text. Disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed him in verse 6. And in verse 7 it says this, And, and brought the donkey to the, and the colt and lay their coats on them, and he, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, 
And others were cutting branches from the trees and spray them on the ground. And the crowds going ahead of them and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest. Now what happened here is you had all these crowds of people coming to see Jesus. And this is probably the biggest crowd that Jesus had ever gathered because now he was going into the city of David, the city of king, and, and he had already been claimed as the son of David, and often he would prevent people from calling him that because really that was a symbol of he was the promised one coming from the line of David, the promised Messiah, and now he was about to receive this in an open way. And he had people who were pilgrims coming to Jerusalem for the Passover and remembering that great experience where where God had provided for them as he parted the Red Sea and they were able to be brought out of their slavery from Egypt into the, into the promised land. But, but now there was going to be a greater celebration because they, they were hoping that this is the one who was coming, the promised one, and, and he was going to set all things right around them because they had anticipated that this promised one, this Messiah, was going to set them free from Rome. That, that all that they had experienced on the heavy hand of an oppressing empire, that, that this one who was coming was going to set them free. And so they were singing praises to him. They were saying Hosanna, and that word Hosanna, and we sang that earlier in the service. It, it really is, a, is a, a word in the original. It means save us and save us now. And they were anticipating that Jesus was going to save them from all the things that were wrong in, in their life that they were experiencing right now. It was also a word of praise, and it was used in the Psalms as, as, a, as a word of praise for anything great that God would do. And, and God, through Jesus, was going to do the greatest thing possible, but at that moment, he wasn't going to save them from Rome. A, a much greater thing that would he do for them. He wasn't going to save them from Rome, but he was going to save them from their sins. But as we think about that, even as they celebrated him and sang great praises to him and, and, and proclaimed him as the one who was the highest... Many of them, in fact, most of them, if not almost all of them, it was a, it was a celebration to great lengths and, and great enthusiasm, but it was a false celebration because, because they didn't really recognize who this one who had come. They didn't see him as, as the Bible portrays him in the Old Testament, as Isaiah 53 portrays him, as the, as the suffering servant, the suffering Messiah, who was going to come to suffer on behalf of them. They didn't recognize that he was the one who, who, who was righteous, but he was coming not to deal with their external sufferings, but that which they were suffering from within. The Bible says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf that we might become right with God. And so they had missed it, but they, they were filled with celebration. But many here, or many like them that were here, those who were celebrating him as the, the son of David, the one who was the blessed, the one who was the one coming in the name of the Lord, later on they would say, crucify him, crucify him. But on this Palm Sunday in which we, we celebrate what they were doing with Jesus, and you can even just picture it. Why, why would you throw coats on the ground for a, for a donkey to, to step on? Because as they threw their coats on the ground, and, <laughs> and let's, let's be honest, they, they didn't have a lot of clothes in their, in their closet. In fact, they didn't have a closet. 
for most of them, whatever they wore was all they had. They might have another garment or two in their home, a very, very humble home. But when they saw Jesus coming, they, they so much wanted to celebrate him that they were willing to put their clothing on the road and allow the, the donkey and, and, and Jesus to walk over that. And, and really symbolically what they were saying is that we are submitting ourselves to you and, and, and we, are placing, we are placing ourselves under your feet. And then, this is why they call it Palm Sunday, they would, they would take palms and they would, not only with their coats, but they would take something like this and then they would throw that on the ground. And, and what did that symbolize? Well, throughout the scripture, when they would use palms in this way, palm branches, it was to celebrate something that was joyful, something that they could rejoice in. And, and they were looking ahead to the victory that they felt that they were going to experience. And as we think about Palm Sunday, this was to lead up to, to really what was going to happen this week. That the one who truly is, is God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, he's not only all-powerful, but, but he has a heart that shows he cares. It's compassionate. He sees our need. It's also the one who, who's always in control. He, he was never caught by surprise by what was happening because he had orchestrated everything that was happening to happen right according to the plan that had been laid out from the very beginning, that, that Jesus was the one who was going to come in and be proclaimed as, as the son of David. And in fact, historically, it was to be on that particular day in that particular year in which Jesus would come in to Jerusalem as the, as the one who was going to be the triumphant one for our greatest need. And, and so not only was he compassionate, but he was in control. And, and he was celebrated for many from a, from a heart that did not fully understand, but as they threw down their coats and threw down the palm branches as a symbol of their joy and celebration, they were going to be able to experience that in a deeper way than they could even imagine because of what, what Jesus was going to do in a much more significant way, not just deal with our circumstances, the things that are wrong on the outside, but give us that change on the inside. But as you think about all this, really, what is the point? The point of, of, of this Palm Sunday, this beginning of Passion Week, this week of suffering, is not only is he revealing that he's compassionate, uh, that he's in control, and that he's worthy to be celebrated, but really want to speak to us is that Jesus was doing all this because what he shows here, he, he demands a choice. Because as they, as, he, as they go into Jerusalem, in verses 10 through 11, just taking these last two verses this morning, When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred. (laughs) And what were they stirred about? Because they had never seen this happen before. And they asked the question, who is this? Now, in many ways, you wonder, well, how could they not know this had to be Jesus? Who else could draw a crowd like this? But you need to understand that Jesus had never presented himself this way. He he had never gone public in such an amazing way. He did not want to draw attention to himself as the one who's going to relieve people their immediate pain, but the one who would deal with their pain that would last forever, which is a result of our sin. But, but now he was going public. And, and so the crowds were saying, this is the prophet. This is Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee, the, the one you've all heard about. I guess I'm just struck by the question, who is this? And really, this is what we all need to wrestle with. Who is this one that all the world is thinking about during this kind of time of the year? 
As, as we think about the cross, as we think about Easter, who is this? Is this a, some other religious leader? Is this just some prophet that was able to draw a crowd? Is it was someone who had sleight of hand and could do the miraculous? Or is this really God coming for us to know that God is compassionate? He's in control, worthy to be celebrated and worshiped like we've done today. But what he wants from us is that we've got to make a choice. What are we going to do with Jesus? It doesn't get any more important than this. You know, it's interesting as you think about all that goes on. I was, <laughs> I was struck this, uh, this past week when I, when I saw this uh, and read of this experience where, where uh, someone made a choice, a very, very, very uh, hurtful choice, I guess you could say. Investigators arrested a California train engineer Tuesday after he allegedly derailed a train in a bid to crash into the USNS Mercy ship. I don't know if you read about that. The hospital ship treating non-COVID-19 patients in the Port of Los Angeles to lessen the burden on area hospitals, prosecutors said. They named him, and they said Eduardo Marino, 44, was expected to appear in court Wednesday for arraignment on trials um, on train wrecking charges. The story goes on. Around 1 p.m. Tuesday, Marino allegedly ran the train at full speed off the end of the tracks near the Navy medical boat, smashing through several concrete and chain barriers before sliding through a parking lot nearly 250 yards from the Mercy uh, ship, according to the criminal complaint. No one was injured, and the boat wasn't damaged. However, the train leaked a substantial amount of fuel, the, com- the complaint said. But this, this other part of the event really kind of struck me. A-, a California Highway Patrol officer caught Marino as he allegedly tried to escape from the scene. But Marino allegedly told officers and FBI investigators that he deliberately derailed the train because he was suspicious of the mercy's intentions and thought it was actually part of a government takeover. So somehow he came to that conclusion. He, he looked at all that was going on, and he, he thought it was some big conspiracy. But then the report goes on and says this. Marino stated that he acted alone and had not pre-planned the attempted attack. Isn't it an amazing thought? That, that a, a man who had been an engineer, I don't know how long he had been working for the, the train uh, industry, but he, he decided, I guess impulsively, on a whim, thinking, you know, maybe that ship is uh, some big government uh, plan to take over uh, all our freedoms. And so uh, on that particular day, he decided, you know what I ought to do? I ought to save everybody, and I'll, and I'll run this train into that ship. Not pre-planned, just decided upon. And you, know, and you know what my burden is that so often is we think about bigger questions than that. Is that, is that a, some kind of a conspiracy uh, ship that, that helps people get well and really it's, it's, it's a big fraud? And, and you don't pre-plan it, you just make that decision. Is that some people do that with Jesus. In the midst of hearing about Jesus probably maybe most of their life or a significant part of their life, they, they never really pre-plan what are they going to do with Jesus. Who really is he? And is, is that a decision I need to take and make now, or can I keep putting it off? 
This is the most important decision anybody will make. And when we think about what this week leads up to, this is Holy Week. This is the greatest week, as some people call it. This is the Passion Week in which we think about the suffering of, of Jesus as he, he's led to the cross. But as much as anything else, as we think about the significance of Palm Sunday, when, when Jesus goes public and saying who he really is, he is the king, and you, got, you must decide, is he going to be the king of your life, or, or are you going to remain in control of your own life? Is, is you better pre-plan to decide just who Jesus is. There's a, an account in the Old Testament where uh, Joshua, who was leading the people of Israel in his day, and as they went into the promised land, as they were going through all kinds of experiences, at the, at the end of that uh, leadership on his part, he said, you all need to decide, choose this day whom you will serve and who you will follow. And then he said, well, all I can tell you is for me and my household, we're going to serve the living God. And really, that's the choice each of us needs to make. Just choose this day. Whom are you going to really believe in? Jesus is who he claimed to be. And he came in in a triumphant way, but many did not understand who he was, and many of them chose to go the other way. But we have opportunity in our lifetime to, to make a choice. The Bible puts it in a lot of different ways. And in a verse in the book of Romans, it says this, is that, if you'll confess with your mouth, which really means if you'll make that of who you really are and what you really believe, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, as really the King, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you too can be saved. And so all I want to share with you is we think about being the people of God or becoming the people of God. If we are the people of God, then we want to go public with our faith. We want to show compassion to others in need and not... Be like the crowd and said, well, you don't have time for this, but, but stop and help people when we can. We want to show compassion. When things seemed out of control, then we, we want to trust in God and believe that he really is in control. Even the finest details, the things that seem like don't really matter, but he, he really is in charge of the big things and the little things. We want to come to that place in our life that as we are the people of God, not only show compassion and trust him while he's in control, is, is that we do want to celebrate him. We, we want to we want to proclaim praises to him, and we've already done that this morning. And then when we think about our life, we always want to make good choices, choices to, to follow him and take that next step of obedience and faith. And, and that's for the people of God, but if somehow this, this morning or this afternoon or this evening when you're watching this, maybe, maybe you're still on the outside looking in. And, and really, the decision and commitment you need to make is, are, are you going to trust in Jesus? Are you going to believe that he really is Lord? Is he really is the king that came in? Not to save us from the circumstances of life, but to save us from our sin. And then put your trust and confidence in him and, and decide once and for all that you're going to follow him. As we close our formal part of our worship service today, I just want to lead us in a word of prayer and give us the opportunity to, to trust him for the first time or, or keep trusting him. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, as we just look at a, a, a snapshot of, of your life when you went fully public to allow people to know that you were more than just a miracle worker or a teacher that amazed people with your words, but you were truly the one who came to rescue them. And rescue them because you're compassionate, you have things under control, you're worthy to be celebrated, but people need to make a choice. 
That, Father, if we already know you, might we, might we trust in you? Might we become compassionate and show compassion to others? Might we live in such a way that people can see we celebrate you more than anything else that happens in life? But, Father, today, if, if, if we don't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then and this might be the day where we choose to believe in you and trust you, where we simply ask you to come into our life, forgive us of our sin, the wrong that is in our life, We believe that you really died and rose again on our behalf and that we want to know you and follow you. We commit, surrender our lives to you this day and we want to know you in such a way that we live for you. Thank you for our time of worship today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.